Welcome to ASRM Today, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into the current topics in reproductive medicine. I'm Jeffrey Hayes, and today on the show we are discussing the Inclusive Family History Project. Joining me is Serena Chin and Lori Metz. I want to welcome you both to the show. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for having us today. So, jumping right in, what is some background on this project? So, I got looped in when Lori reached out. She had had some interesting patient encounters. I think, Lori, maybe you can talk about that. And it immediately struck me that this is an important issue. What we are finding is that as a society and as an industry, we have focused so much on donor conception, on the parents' interests, and on the physicians' interests, on keeping things safe and doing identification. But we really haven't done a lot of looking at things from the donor-conceived children point of view Mm -hmm. and how does life go on once the baby is made and we're realizing that we have a responsibility to uh, set the record straight to remove shame and stigma and secrecy and I think you know Lori why don't you tell your story your your patient story so much so um I would say that uh, about two and a half years ago, and just so you know, I have a healthcare industry background, mm-hmm. so I'm a therapist, but I, I spent over 20 years in the healthcare industry working mm-hmm. in different types of medical settings. So, you know, I use that hat a lot, mm-hmm. and I, I'm aging myself, of course, but I started my private practice about 15 years ago. So I um, run support groups, and in one of the support groups for recipient parents, the issue came up that they took their six-and-a-half-year-old child to the doctor, and they hadn't yet shared with their child or the doctor that this reoccurring problem the child was having could potentially be due to the donor. Mm -hmm. And the doctor was under the impression that the child was biologically related to the parent. Mm And I thought to myself, oh, this is not good on so many different levels, right? I mean, we were already dealing with the fact that she was having a hard time coping with with the fact that she used donor conception. And the other women in the group all agreed. There was a group of women that they could understand how she was feeling. And many of them shared the same feelings, but did share it with the doctor. So I thought we need to fix this. And that's where my other hat came on. And I thought, you know, we really need to update the medical intake process in order to include not the word other when we're taking a family history, Mm. but to include donor conception and adoption because, you know, these people should not have to fill out the word other. They do have medical histories, and if we don't know the medical history, that's okay too, but rather than go down that path of thinking we know, we really want to be providing quality care medically, emotionally, and financially, right? Not sending Mm -hmm. people for tests they don't need so that we can expedite the healing process as quickly as possible. So, of course, Serena Chan is always one of the first people I reach out to. She's just phenomenal. And she's one of the first people I ever told about the initiative. And she was like, yes, we need to do this. Mm -hmm. And so it became a matter of how do we do this? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, through reaching out to people and advocating and trying to find my way, I gathered some information. I wouldn't say research because it's not enough information for research, but gathered information about what happened to the donor-conceived community when they went to the doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, and now, you know, very much we call them children in the RE world and in the ASRM world, but they're not children, right? Mm-hmm. It's donor-conceived people. 
because they're adults, they only stay children for a couple of years, and so they do like the word people. Uh, and so I reach out to these donor conceived people, and I, I said to them, you know, can you tell me your experiences? Or can you share the experiences? And the one that stays in my mind most is this woman who was 40 years old who had a car accident. Mm-hmm. And she really suffered with horrible, horrible migraines and head injury. And because the father who raised her had migraines, they attributed it to migraines. But it was not migraines. Right? She had real um, significant inner ear damage. Mm-hmm. And so was suffering from vertigo all the time. So that's when she found out that she was donor conceived. Mm-hmm. So if we could open this up in a way where it's, it's destigmatized and it's able to improve health outcomes and by doing it, by changing the intake form and then the intake process, you know, the people will feel better about themselves, the doctors and the, the nurses and whoever else is treating at that point of care will have more information. And, you know, Sally filling out the form who has no idea about donor conception or possibly very little about adoption mm-hmm. will then say, wow, this is just another way of having a family. Yeah. So that was the impetus of of this, quite frankly. Yeah, and, seeing these real life examples of people who are not getting appropriate medical care mm-hmm. because the doctor didn't have the appropriate medical history. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to give you one more story, if you don't mind, and then not I won't give all. you too many not stories. This is honestly like not a good story, but my favorite story, and you'll understand why. So this is one woman who's both of her parents are doctors. One is, And you would think that they're doctors. Mm-hmm. They would be so up on all of this. So this young woman struggled with GI problems for 20 years. It never dawned on them that it would be the donor. And they never really had the donor's health history to investigate that the causes were really because of the donor. And it it turns out that there was a history of GI problems in the donor's medical record. And once they were able to identify it, they were able to get the GI problems under control. And she's a nurse now, this woman. Mm. So it's it's interesting how people don't think about it. You know, you could be 50 years old and go to the ER, they ask for family history, you forget you're adopted. It's it's not the first thing that comes to your mind. So we want to trigger and take the onus off of of the person and Mm -hmm. place it almost where it belongs when you're accessing healthcare. Well, it's, it's interesting because um, as a physician, the electronic medical record is one of the banes of my existence. You it's know, amazing. like we, we associate the electronic medical record and all the documentation we have to do actually associated with physician burnout. Mm-hmm. But this is a really powerful tool that we can use to literally change every single encounter that every Mm -hmm. single patient has with every single provider. Because if it's routine in all the forms around the globe, then just as Lori said, Mm -hmm. it's completely normalized Mm -hmm. that everybody is asked at every visit, what's your family history? Were you conceived with donor egg, donor sperm? Were you adopted? It makes a difference. Mm-hmm. I, I love that she said that before because, you know, you hear this all the time from the doctors, but I never really realized the impact of it. So mm-hmm. that, was, that was a great analogy. So what happened was years ago, I was involved in the, uh, the first e-prescribing project which was the impetus for medical records. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know that you can have control over the fields, but things have grown so exponentially. Mm-hmm. So Joe Cody who I had worked with at Resolve. He was the chair, one of the uh, chairs of one of Resolve Advocacy Days mm-hmm. um, a few years back. I contacted him 
uh, about a year or so ago, maybe a little bit more than a year ago. And Joe has been instrumental, really, in having this brought to the forefront of the global initiative. Mm-hmm. We started with the United States. And what happened was, you know, it was a combination of the timing being perfect and the need being there. Mm-hmm. So there's actually groups that make guidelines, yes. right, that, and, and set the standards mm-hmm. so that EMR companies, anybody using or designing history forms and things like that, they actually look to these yes. standards. They do. They look to the standards. And the, the significance of all this is typically these standards are adopted by Medicaid Medicare. Mm-hmm. So we know all the insurers and all the healthcare systems look to Medicare and Medicaid to what they're using. Mm-hmm. And they model after that. So the standards are suggested. They're not required. And so ASRM, of course, comes in so loud and clear, right? We, we need the doctors and the medical voice to say, well, let's include this in our record when it becomes available. So they were in the middle of, process, they were in the middle of meeting with the global the Global Alliance Thank for <laughs> Genomics and Health. I am so G-A-4-G-H.org. Thank you. Anyway, we've met with them several times. They're really lovely people and yes. very receptive and very open. And they're in the process of, um, of looking at the pedigree section. Mm-hmm. And what was so exciting was that in this section, they're doing step parents. Mm-hmm. They're doing foster parents. They're really looking at nature nurture. Mm-hmm. And they needed a little education, really, about what fertility was mm-hmm. because they thought it was all IVF. And so we really, Joe and I, were really able to have an impact. And Joe, because of his, his experience and his expertise, really speaks all the technology language. Mm. A group, this GA4GH.org, Global Alliance for Genomics and Health. Thank you. That sets uh, a not-for-profit so, think tank that sets guidelines and standards mm-hmm. to, to start there with them saying, yes, everybody should ask about donor conception, mm-hmm. I think will we'll make it a lot easier for us to mm-hmm. then put it in ASRM guidelines and hopefully propagate it to all the other medical fields. So what they did was actually they asked us what terminology we should use. Right. And so we went out and we surveyed mm-hmm. uh, doctors, nurses, lawyers, mm-hmm. um, intended parents, recipient parents, donor conceived people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you helped so much in getting other doctors to help give their opinion, which is, you know, she's, which is wonderful. And so those were the terms that we brought to them. Mm-hmm. And so they're now incorporating those terms. And then just so the end user realizes once it's in place, they could always change the terms if they don't want that term in their practice. But the field will be there. Mm-hmm. And What's so exciting about this moment in time is that the terminology has been accepted, which means the fields will be built. And that is the biggest lift, I think, that we could ask for. Mm-hmm. Because now what we're looking to really is the operations of building the field. Mm-hmm. And once the field is built, we're going to look to ASRM mm-hmm. and people to champion this mm-hmm. so that we can have hopefully large integrated healthcare systems mm-hmm. be able to adopt it because we need the adaptation there. Because as we were saying before, this all starts with ASRM, right? It starts mm-hmm. with how how the baby is created, but then the baby becomes, you know, a child, and then they grow up and become a person, and they're going to go to a cardiologist. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to start with the pediatrician, the cardiologist, and we want them to ask. And so when you go into a large system, then what's going to happen with that large system is the chart is going to follow them through. And mm-hmm. those are the doctors we really need to get on board as well um, for this effort. And, uh, you know, that's a big piece of that. 
Yeah, by standardizing it in the medical record, you can we can literally change providers' behavior and thinking yeah. around this issue. Well, if advocating is sort of the first step, right, in making this happen, then what what else can people do to help? Is there anything at this at this stage that can that, that people can do? Well, we we really want people to start thinking about this whole idea of making you know donor conception and talking about it and logging it and routine and standard mm-hmm. and open. And I think it would be it would be great if people connect with uh, the donor conceived community. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, donor, it is community dot org. It is. It's yeah. don- in donor conceived community, and um, they are looking at a lot of different aspects of it. There's several groups around, but they the donors conceived community works a lot on the mental health aspect and giving support mm. and providing support. Melissa Lindsay started that. She's the founder of it and she's the president now and the organization is growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think and they actually run an ASRM grant this year. So I, yeah. I think that it's a it's a great group for providers and people who don't deal with donor conception on a regular basis to really understand all the issues. Ultimately we will be looking for test sites and people to respond to when ASRM looks at the guidelines and hopefully getting it into ASRM guidelines and, and then ACOG and AMA. So we are going to be looking for help with all of that. Yes. yes. Yeah. And they're going to look at the um, interoperability of it because that'll be really important. And, you know, that's like a keyword that all the doctors probably hate at this point. <laughs> so and then the other piece I think that people could do right now mm-hmm. um, is just along the lines of what you were saying is talk about it, right? When you go to the doctor, like Mm -hmm. say to them, do you want to know how I was conceived? Like, you know, and we want to empower the doctors and the nurses and everybody who's looking at the forms to feel comfortable and confident in how they're responding to that information. Absolutely. Because sometimes you just don't have the words, you don't have the language on what you shouldn't, maybe shouldn't say. Yeah. So that's the other piece of what we want to work on really is just educating the professional community on this piece of it because it's huge. You know, the technology is great, but if if the if the human intervention doesn't match it, you know, then we're not going to succeed. So we need everything to work together. So the timing of ASRM letting us do the soapbox today and talk about it is just perfect because mm-hmm. by the time we're ready for a test site, everybody will be ready to hear more about it and learn more about it. And DCC is great, and they are putting together professional groups I am proud to say they recently appointed me as their one of the mental health advisors to the professional. Congratulations. Group. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, we're excited about that. Very excited about it. Well, fantastic. And uh, before we run out of time, I just want to ask, are there any other closing thoughts you'd like people to walk away with? And I want to remind our listeners that we will put links in our show notes to these websites that we've mentioned so that you can just click on the scroll up, click on them and get some more information. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is there anything else that you would like to point people towards or or would want them to know? I think if people want more information about the interoperability bee or how to, how, if they're interested in being a test site to please, you know, they can go to my website if they want to contact me or they can contact Joe or, 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 you know, Serena, I think that would be great. We're, okay. we're, you know, all happy to respond. Yeah, we will be posting. We've been posting about it, and we yes. will continue like updating people. Okay. And then I think on the other side of it, if people want to learn about, you know, becoming comfortable and talking to the donor conceived community, to please don't hesitate to reach out because I've also surveyed people on that, and you know, some of the responses you get, I, I think you know, you would really like to empower 
the professional community in how to respond yeah. where everybody feels comfortable in their own skin and doing it. So I, I think that that would be fabulous. So we're happy to do the training. The best comment I got about this was last year I was here talking about it, just mm-hmm. very, very informally. And a woman came up to me yesterday and she stopped me after one of the chats they were having upstairs. And she said, I have to tell you that since you mentioned this, I keep telling all the pediatricians who work in our, our center to ask if the child is donor, you know, donor conceived. She said, so thank you, because they're starting to ask. And I thought that's, that was just That's great. wonderful. That is. That is absolutely wonderful. Serena Chin, Lori Metz, thank you so much for being able to take time out. I, I know we're all busy here at ASM 2023 in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, we just thank you so, so much for being able to do this. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having us. And if you have any questions about this show or any of our shows, you can email me, asrm at asrm.org. And until next time, I'm Jeffrey Hayes and this is ASRM Today. This concludes this episode of ASRM Today. For show notes, author information, and discussions, go to asrmtoday.org. This material is copyrighted by the American Society for Reproductive Medicine and may not be reproduced or used without express consent from ASRM. ASRM Today series podcasts are supported in part by the ASRM Corporate Member Council. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ASRM and its affiliates. These are provided as a source of general information and are not a substitute for consultation with a physician.